Yo! Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. We uh, are sorry we only have one episode for you this week, but Zach and I were in different European countries from each other at the same time. So quit your yapping, because it's the best we can do. We still got you a show this week, didn't we? And it's brought to you by Off the Record. We love Off the Record. They provide an incredible, valuable service to the community, getting points off your record. If you get a ticket, don't plead guilty. That's for suckers. Get off the record. They will fight that ticket on your behalf pretty much wherever you are in America. They will connect you with a qualified attorney who can help fight that ticket and win. They have a 97% success ratio. And if you don't get the points off your record, you don't pay money back. All you got to do, offtherecord.com slash TST or code TST10 on the Off The Record app. Download the app, go to the site, make an account, be ready. That way, if you get pulled over, you don't have to sweat it, right? You don't have to panic. You don't have to go, what am I going to do? You just go to Off The Record. You send them a photo of the ticket, send them a scan of the ticket. They handle the rest. I get emails every single week from people who thank me for introducing them to Off The Record because they saved their little behinds from having to deal with our silly speed justice system. It stinks. Don't be a part of it. Offtherecord.com slash TST or code TST10 on the Off The Record app will save you 10% when you use Off The Record. All right on this episode, it's a cruise show. I was in Monaco driving the Aston Martin DB12. Zach was in uh, Norway driving an electric Lotus. We can't talk too much about that, but we get into it a little bit. Uh, we talk about some interesting things about the inflation of sports cars. We talk about how everybody is adopting the Tesla-based North American charging standard. I give you a little review of the Audi Q8 e-tron, and Zach gives you a review of the Mercedes S63 hybrid with over a thousand pound-feet of torque, plus I review Downey's Dream Cars, Robert Downey Jr.'s television show on HBO, and we answer a whole bunch of your Patreon questions. It's a crew show. Welcome to the Smoke and Tire Podcast. I, my, my travel strategy on this trip was so fucking good. I got the exact right amount of sleep on the plane there, landed, hit the gym, fucking had a late dinner, somehow went to bed at a regular time, and then, like, was fine throughout the day. Nice. And then, like, despite the wine, slept okay, Ambien on the daytime flight on the way home, fucking out, and then I next day, good to go. Nice. It's amazing. Nine hours each way. I love it. When you time yeah. it right and then it works out. Yeah. When the, when the theory proves true. Yeah. Yeah. How was Norway? Uh, it's beautiful. It's incredibly green. Scandinavia in the summer is pretty epic. Yeah, yeah very bright. The sun's intense. It's not. Yeah. It's not New Zealand with no ozone intense, but it's way like you feel it more than you do here yeah. right now. And uh, everything's super clean. We drove through countryside, and I didn't see a house in any sort of disrepair. Mm. Everyone's house was like freshly painted, yeah. new roof. I mean, I don't know if they. They. I think they get paid well. I think they have like. I think Norway has a lot of money. It's the anti-Kentucky. Yeah, there just wasn't any of that. Uh, we saw camels. 
Someone at a house had two camels. Get the fuck out of here. And they had an RV that said horses and camels painted on the back. Like, they bring them to things. Uh But I'm very curious what those camels think when it's winter and there's no sun. Yeah. Because they're not used to that. That's fucking crazy. I would fucking think I had done the wrong drugs if I was in Norway and saw camels. We were just driving. We were like, camels. And we just stopped in the road. There was very little traffic. And like... I want the story. So I, I want to know how they get here. How long have they been so here? That's crazy. Yeah. How do you import them? I don't know. I mean, they have like African animals in Texas that those that people have their own like private game preserves mm-hmm. here. So I'm sure, I guess there's a way. You just fill out the paperwork. Yeah. But but wintertime, negative 20 and yeah. darkness for, a you know, basically like keep, a month. The camels have to go inside. I'm sure they do. Yeah. I just think they'd get more depressed than, uh, you know, an, an animal that's native to Norway is used to this. Camels are used to desert Maybe where it's sunny all the time. Maybe seasonal? Maybe they bring the camels Ooh, for the summer? That's a good point. That's a good Maybe. point. Maybe. That would make sense. I don't know. If you got any Norwegian fans who can un- explain this camel situation to yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, I'm the camel mystery. I am interested. <laughs> DMs are open. <laughs> yeah. like, we need, a, we need a, a subject line that's like, this is about camels. And yeah. You know, not just, here's a video I saw. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Context, please. Not. Don't just send... God, the number of fucking uncon- no context reels that are showing up in the DMs. Stop. Mm. Stop. I just hit delete. I don't watch that shit. Could be the funniest reel ever. I'm not going to watch it. There's, just, there's only so much time. Context, in the day. people. Uh, and when is the embargo for? Uh, July 10th oh, at so it's midnight the Pacific. Man, so it's like Sunday night. Aston Martin, fucking. You know, I can't can't talk about the car. DB12. Uh, well, I can. I posted pictures of it, so you could tell it's obviously fucking gorgeous. It's, it's Aston Martin, right? So there's pictures of it on the gram. Uh, people who other other people who went that picture is from the Golden Eye Road. Oh yeah, you know, I know that road. The, yeah, it's Route Napoleon, but it's like the one section of it where they filmed uh, the James Bond uh, Golden Eye chase scene with the three fifty five and the uh, the DB five. Um, but uh, can't talk about how it drives until July fifth at midnight UK time. Which what is that? That's the fucking Fourth of July. Here? Barbecue time for us. It's 3 p.m. here, yeah, right? It's oh, like yeah. nobody, no, it's like nobody will be indoors. It's literally the like get away from your devices time. But also, everyone in the UK will be asleep. Everyone in the UK will be asleep. Hmm. Everyone in America will be celebrating a holiday. So we're not going to post it at that time. We're going to post it the next day on July 5th at the regular time because, like, that's just dumb. Like, I love you, Aston Martin. I love the people who work there. I met some really nice folks over at this event. This was actually my first ever Aston Martin event. Um, they put me on the influencer wave, which was uh, interesting. Uh, some nice folks, honestly. Some nice uh, influencers I met. But um, And the hotel was pretty goddamn epic. Um, and uh, the car is beautiful. As you can as you can well see in this photo, if you're watching the video version of the podcast, the car is beautiful, and uh, and fucking who doesn't love the south of France? I mean, that's, yeah, of there is nothing wrong with the south of France at all. It is uh, it is the place to be, and uh, but um, yeah, the the how about that view from that restaurant? Jeez. The um, the the embargo. I mean, I don't know who came up with with why. It's like, do you not consult? an American calendar at all. Fourth of July, 
Audi did this one on Thanksgiving. The embargo lifts during Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. This one is during the 4th of July barbecue. Like, come on. And I wonder what percentage of Aston's market is the United States. I mean, it's got to be 60%. Enough. It's huge, yeah. Enough. It's, well, it's funny. Like, the, the Lotus embargo, you know, it's 8 a.m. Europe time. Sure. Which makes total sense. Yeah, so yeah. midnight here, I get it. But the fact that it's midnight... In Britain, midnight in Britain <laughs> on a, at a time in the middle of there would be a ho- one of the three big holidays in America. Like yeah, guys. it benefits nobody. But guys, oh, there's probably a reason. They probably, I'm sure they have some sort of like schedule matrix with with uh, you know metrics and timing and all that stuff. And then it's yeah. like here we go. My impre- my takeaway from when I went through this with Audi, it was. The the Germans just don't give a shit. They just don't. They're not thinking about America. They are very Germany-centric. They just don't mm-hmm. care. I would not suspect that of the English in the same way of Aston Martin, but here we are. So uh, my video are, uh, will go up the fifth, but I think it will be a very good video. I am really happy with the script that I wrote. I'm really happy with the footage that I have. And... Um, <laughs> I, I, something that's not a, a driving impression. Uh, you know, when you go on these routes, these drives, um, they they find ways to sort of trick the GPS because GPS mm-hmm. in in essence is designed to find the shortest and most direct way from two points. But both whether it's a press drive like this or the road and track events that we do. You're not doing that, right? You're, you're go- you want a specific route on specific roads. And so on Road and Track, we use the Rallista app, which is pretty much the only way to do it because you have all different cars, right? Everyone's got their own car. Mm-hmm. but So you have this app where you can program a totally custom route. It's called Rallista, and it's great. But when the manufacturers all are – you're all driving the same car, they don't want you using your phones with an app. They want you using the, the native system. So they, they program – they trick the native system by using waypoints and stuff yeah. to make the route that, that they want you to make. And they had to, in this case, hand program that route into each individual car. Um, the person who programmed my car kind of fucked up, and it had has nothing to do with the car. The car, it wasn't the. I want to be very clear, it was not the car's fault, but the person who programmed the route, each leg, you know, if you start at uh, the 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 Dave Smith Hotel, whatever, and you're going to the route Napoleon, fine, it had point one point, you know, route one point two point three point four. They put the first destination as the starting point. Like, so if I was giving you directions, imagine I programmed a route from Zach's apartment Mm -hmm. to the office. But the first point was my apartment. But the first point was your apartment. Right. So the second you drove away from the apartment, it did everything it could to route you back to the apartment. Oh. You see what I'm saying? Like, you don't put your starting point in the fucking nav. You put the first place away from where you're at. Yeah. And so every leg, this thing tried to route me back. To oh, the... because you never went back to the hotel Correct. To, to tick that Correct. box. Correct. Oh. oh, no. And so every, so every leg I had, like, so I got, like, super fucking lost, like, three times <laughs> in the middle of France by myself. They originally were going to pair me with Sam from Scene Through Glass, which was going to be fun. But af- after, like, dinner, they were like, oh, by the way, we didn't want to, like, 
tell you we didn't want to promise you something and then not have it deliver, but you and Sam actually get your own cars, which for video purposes is better. Yeah. But like for being lost in France purposes, it's like fucking a disaster. Yeah. Eventually, I figured out what it was doing and why it was making me lost and how to go in and edit the route myself. Delete waypoint. And I was I would delete the waypoint in each leg and then it was fine. But like I kept tra- being like, this thing is making me lost oh and, and eventually figured out how to fix it. But like at one point, like I almost went like back to the fucking hotel before I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm well, wait. In the beginning, to. when you first left, did it, you know you you pull out, you turn, and then it did it. Was it telling you to turn around again? And you I went. That can't be right. I didn't figure out what was going on because I didn't know if if it was showing the line that we might have to take later. You know, I didn't know if it was displaying the entire route as an out and oh. back overlaying itself. Right. Yeah. And in the first leg. I someone happened to be in front of me. The first leg was kind of a transit through Monaco and out out to the to the to the remote area. And there was sort of a coffee stop. And so I just followed the car in front of me for the first part of it. So the nav was doing weird stuff, but I was like just following this other car and I and I was like, ah, I guess it's just showing me the route that I'll be taking back later. It wasn't until I left the coffee stop by myself and I was like, oh shit, this thing is like getting all kind of wonky on me. Um so yeah, That's getting funny. lost yeah. in uh in a in a foreign country uh, by yourself, it's a little nerve wracking. It can be, depending on how yeah. many people speaking English. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, they gave us uh uh you know, phones, uh, you know, I had my phone, but there was also they had a phone in the car as a, as a sort of backup and, um, you know, whatever. It, w- it was fine. But but also like in these little towns and little roads, like there's not a lot of places to pull over. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. It is. There's not many turnouts or things. That's why I was super stoked when I saw the B-roll package. There's like tons of drive-bys. There's like 50 drive-bys. And I was like so stoked because, you know, these roads are tight and technical and a DB12 – not a small car. Yeah. It ain't a fucking Fiat 500. And so to make all the U-turns necessary to shoot like a package of drive-bys is a, would be a nightmare. And so and, – and there wasn't a lot of extra time. So the drive-bys look great. You'll see them in the video. But nice. Like most of them I didn't shoot. I got like seven for safeties mm-hmm. on the last day. We, we had two days of driving, which was nice. But um, they had a good B-roll package too with like, you know, drone over a hydroelectric dam. Right. And I was like – Perfect yes. for the story I'm telling. I did in-car, like, the, the setup while driving across the dam. I was like, yeah. this is going to be great. Guys, got to take a quick break for our friends at NASCAR. The wait is almost over, folks. This weekend, NASCAR is headed to the streets of Chicago for an unprecedented road course race through the heart of the city. There has been nothing like this in NASCAR's 75 years of existence, and what an epic way to celebrate those 75 years of racing, competition, and innovation than with a -a one-of-a-kind event like this one. The playing field will be even as ever, considering this will be the driver's first time behind the wheel on this course. The 12 turns throughout historic Grant Park are sure to make for some unbelievable racing, 
And with only a few playoff spots left up for grabs, who knows what's going to happen? This unprecedented style of street course racing is sure to be entertaining, so make sure you grab your friends and tune in to the first ever NASCAR Chicago Street Race on July 2nd at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific on NBC. There were, uh, I want to say, 10 DB12s. There were 10 DB12s on this, and there were 12 waves. Wow. I was on the 10th of 12 waves, which is wild. Because I was, at, at first, I was like, holy shit, that's like a lot of people. And this team must be exhausted. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, how has no one discovered this navigation thing until right now? Like, what what the fuck? Like, I'm the first person to bring this up to you? Like, Maybe it's the first time there's been an issue because they're tired. It's the first mistake. It could I, be the first mistake. I guess. But they, I don't think they programmed it every day. Oh, no, but you know what? Now that I think of it, when I was scrolling through the pre-programmed routes, they did have, it was literally, like, for each wave, they had their own group of routes. So maybe uh, it was only okay. maybe the guy who programmed it just got a little tired by the time just, he got to got to yeah, mind. moved his finger. Uh, so anyway, uh, DB12 July fifth, uh, and then uh, Lotus Eletre. Eletre. It's, it's Eletre. Mm-hmm. Interesting name scheme. On uh, on uh, it's a cool looking truck. Kind of the photos look pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, pretty neat. Um, okay, speaking of electric things, it seems like everybody is just gonna use the Tesla charger. It's yeah, seem, it seems like huge uh, story. I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like uh, maybe like on on the one hand, um, capitalism may be on the way to solving this problem. Uh, where the government has not, uh, and I think the government should have solved this problem before. Um, but on the other hand, we definitely will need the government to prevent Tesla from being a monopoly here. Uh, yeah, which the government's great at preventing that sort of thing. I mean, I mean that's tr- just an easy ace joke. track ace, record. Yeah, perfect at, track record. Um, that's, I mean, that is, this is... Maybe someone in the comments will know, but this seems like a unique situation versus fuel pumps. I don't know how those standards were developed where – I don't know if it was competing companies and everyone decided this is the right nozzle size and this is the standard filler nozzle size for cars, period. I mean we've driven cars that are sold in so many countries and like – just the, the fuel nozzle is the same size. Yeah. It's just how it is now. Yeah. So I don't know where that standard became the thing. I, I have to assume if I took a guess, it's got to be SAE. Right, because that's that that's sort of been the decider of standards for a long time. Of course, in the beginning of the 20th century, there was no standard for filler nozzles or gas uh, types or anything. It was just a complete shit show. Let's see, like uh, Department of Energy, this was it took 12 years for them to set a standard for the uh, for hydrogen filling mm. nozzle. So that's a long time. That is a long time. Um, yeah. But, like, okay, either way, uh, whether the government solves it or capitalism solves it at this point, being – if everyone's going to get on the same page, I would say that's good, right? Because we can't have walled gardens of chargers. Like, But I wonder if what will happen to the existing charge network – if someone like the like the Electrify Americas and all that, like, are they going to go around and change 
those connections? Are, are they going to provide adapters? Is everyone going to have to buy an adapter? Is the adapter going to be a point of failure in between those two things? Um, it's going to be kind of interesting That's to see. true. And also, how shitty are Tesla customers going to get when all of a sudden the fucking superchargers are full of all these other cars? Like, yeah, they'll be irritated for there sure. There were barely enough of those before to satisfy just the Teslas under the highest demand situation. Although I think in less higher demand situations, there is more than enough. I think a smart move, it, Tesla would have to basically increase supply. So in, Nor in Norway, all the gas stations that we saw had six charging stations right next to them yeah. because they have so many electric cars there. Yeah. So I could see Tesla, it'd be, it, you know, Shell wants to license the Tesla charger and just install four at their every gas station. Yeah. And like that's what's going to have to happen because right now the Tesla superchargers are mostly – behind a restaurant near a common fuel stop or something like that. Mm -hmm. So maybe they can build them out at the fuel stations. Yeah. But if it's you just you just want there to be um, a a sort of fair state of play. You know, not that Tesla shouldn't make money on it like they should. They invented the fucking thing that's their design like make money. It's not, I'm not saying they shouldn't make money and for all the times I've shit on Tesla, I think it's been pretty fucking fair. I'm, I don't think I've shit on their charging system, despite the fact that up until recently it has not been open to other manufacturers. Well, that, it always functioned very well yeah. as designed. It was the best one out there. And it will – it remains to be seen if it continues to function well once it has to work for other cars. Because mm -hmm. that's – I hope it does. I don't want it to fail. You know, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to go. Eh, I fucking told you so, and you made it work on a Ford, and it sucks. But like, I want that experience for those e drivers, myself included, to be like good. Mm -hmm. But like, I just don't. It'll be interesting to see what happens if the government, if go, the government goes, okay, this is now the standard. What right does Tesla have? to prevent other people from manufacturing and building out chargers based on those standards. I'm not saying they shouldn't collect a license from it, but they sh I don't think they should be able to say, you may not manufacture this because, like, again, their, mi their stated mission, right, is to, to get us off fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And it's it shouldn't be get us off fossil fuels asterisks as long as you get through us. Well, I mean, they're not going to write that, put that in writing, but that may be the actual no, but, business plan. Well, yeah, um, but that's fucked up. That that negates the first half of the statement. Oh yeah, I mean, but asking a corporation to stand by the, the moral things it advertises is kind of a fool's errand. I'm not saying it should. Uh, it's I mean, okay. Well, then but, stop fucking taking a moral stand. Just just say we're in it for the money. And are you new fuck to advertising? You. Have you not seen like? People you, said all these, like, all these companies advertise their support of Pride all month. I know, but if you're actually talking about it. saving the fucking planet, mm -hmm. then you have to live up to the moral standard you set. Otherwise, I, you're just completely full of shit, and people like me get to call you out on it. I agree. You should. They should be called out. I'm just saying I'm not going to be surprised if they are, have two agendas. Well, but other, but but they also have a cult of people who defend them based on the statement more so than the actions. Mm-hmm. Which is also completely ridiculous. That's true. Well, any, anyway, uh, 
I don't know how the patent laws work. I mean, maybe they can license it to people and they can make it and they get paid every time because they don't have the capacity or interest in making 5,000 yeah. of these things. I mean, it's surely going to be very good for their revenue in yeah. one way or another. I think I think there's going to be teething issues getting other brands to work perfectly because we've seen with how many brands had trouble at EVgo, just like with the cars talking to the yeah. thing. Like There was a good six months or eight months where – you plugged into a lot of different chargers, and then we found out that they just weren't working well with Fords. Yeah, that's totally going to happen with this. I know it'd be cool to learn from an engineer at other OEMs what kind of changes, either software or otherwise, they have to make to work with this other charger. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and the not like the, the adapter thing's interesting because if if you buy a new EV, maybe the dealership includes an adapter with the with the car. Uh, the purchase price. Well, that's what every, everyone says that they're the the current, like for the next year and a half, they're going to have the CCS charger with an adapter for Tesla, mm-hmm. and then they're going to flip flop, where the the main charge port will be Tesla, but with an adapter for a CCS. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so that's the, so, the changeover thing. Yeah. yeah, but it's a good question. Like, if the adapter breaks, you know, do you just you go back to the dealership and get a new one? And right now, if you go to EVGo. Are they going to have? I don't think they would put adapters on their oh, nozzles because no. they no. just get trashed. Yeah, we can't. You know. we, Americans cannot be trusted with sharing things. Well, I mean, they probably just get stolen or something yeah. like that, or get broken. Yeah. yeah. So, like a shift knob at an auto show. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I don't know if automakers were taking them off of cars when I went to an auto show. Well, at before. first, for a while, they would get stolen, and now they the automakers just take them off. Yeah, they don't leave them. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Anything not nailed down. You know, if some people are are really down and out, and they they go, I can sell this for 120 bucks. I guess they're going to do it. But oh, I didn't even see it as the the steal it and sell it on eBay. I really saw it as just the steal it as a souvenir and just to be a dick. Oh man, I hope people steal it and sell it and then give sure. the food to their family. Yeah, That's- yeah. If you want to steal a no- shift knob because you got to feed your kids, like all right, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I don't have a problem with that. It's like, I don't think do you remember kids happening. when we were when you were like ten and someone's like, "Look at this Mercedes hood emblem! I stole it off a yeah. car." And you're like, "To do what? <laughs> because you like Mercedes?" Yeah, like, it's that was silly. When you're ten to fifteen, you just steal shit. You just do. <laughs> you steal shit. You light shit on fire. I did a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, you, you inhale things. <laughs> you know what have you? Uh, mm. What was there? Is there something you need to? No, worry someone about? just someone someone thought that the money printing for Tesla will be licensing the charging for you know, charging charging money for charging other cars. Like that's where they'll print. Oh, money. for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, just that's the 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 real thing here is that people who do not drive Teslas will pay a fucking staggering amount of money to use those Tesla chargers. Mm-hmm. That's how it is in Europe right now. I've heard I heard from people in Europe and we've talked about this. Like, yeah, I have a Mach E or a, a an Audi e-tron, and I can use a Tesla charger, but it's like more expensive than gas. Whoa. Whereas it's still free. You know, Tesla will make sure their customers are prioritized, and so whatever it's a hundred percent of the cost of doing this will be passed on to everyone but a Tesla owner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, interesting. Uh, speaking of which, I've been driving the Audi Q8 e-tron for the week. Um, I did not make a video of it. I, I frankly didn't think it would do well. Um, uh, I'll write a little Instagram post about it and we can talk about it now. Uh, best things about it, 
are I didn't post any pictures okay. on Instagram yet. Um, the best things about it are actually how little of a difference and learning curve there is from a regular Audi. Uh, I think that says a lot about how uh, modern and kind of techy and gadgety and sort of futury the Audi Q8 is in general, right? It's it's it, although it's sort of the coupe SUV design, I think that lends itself well to being an EV. Um, the interior is great, the seats are great, you know, but the screens, the multimedia system and all that is fundamentally exactly the same as the gas car. I mean, there's there's basically no difference in operation between the gas car and the electric car. So you don't have to if you were coming out of an A6 to go to the e-tron, it's everything will be incredibly familiar. There's you just get in the car, you, you press it's got a start button, you know, and, and you just you just drive. The 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 radio, the settings, the all this stuff is is the same. And also as Hannah pointed out, it is very similar in vibe to the Urus, but it yeah. was, but it was 25% of the price. Um Felt like it was built really well. Uh, obviously, you know, $85,000 Audi, solid quality, great seats, massage seats, actually. Great stereo. Uh, I believe it was Bang & Olufsen uh, stereo. And um, and a good ride. It, it had a, good, a, a very good ride. Now, uh, obviously, it was all-wheel drive because it's a fucking Audi. Uh, but A, no regenerative braking. So Audi, they have mm. the they have the philosophy shared with Porsche, wherein coasting is right. the way, right? But also, this thing is like really heavy, and so without regenerative braking, to actually slow it down, like and come to a stop using the brakes, like kind of feels like it doesn't have enough brakes. Wow! Like you have to hit the brakes harder than you think, more often than you think. It probably weighs six thousand pounds. It has a hundred and thirteen kilowatt battery. So the bat, That's you know, very big. It's very big. It's very big. My Mach E has an 83 kilowatt hour battery. Uh, Rivian's, I think, is like 105 yeah. or something. Like okay. it's got a fucking huge battery, and the range, I got 230 miles to a charge, That's out of 113 it? kilowatts. For comparison, and it's not totally apples to apples because my Ford is rear-wheel drive, not all-wheel drive, but I get 310 miles out of my Ford out of 83 kilowatts. And by the way, the Audi's not any faster either. It's they're, they're fundamentally, wow. I mean, it might maybe it's a tenth here and there, like, but you, you'd, you would not notice the difference in a drag race. So it is not particularly efficient. That's wild. It also, the Ford has an 11 kilowatt onboard charger. The Audi's is nine and a half. So even when I plug it into my home charger, my level two, it takes about 10% longer to charge than the Ford does. So the Ford has a longer range, more battery efficiency because it's got it's got 70 extra miles of range on a 30% smaller battery and that battery charges faster even on a level 2 charger so those are kind of the down parts. Yeah, like the the Rivian R1S uh, offers range of 260 or 352, depending on which battery size you get. Right. Um, now, uh, granted, that's advertised 
we haven't driven that car, so I don't know what it is in real world. But is this a thing where using regen coasting works and is more efficient if you're doing a lot of highway driving? But if if you're doing city stuff, which you do a lot of, then regen is very valuable. Maybe, pot probably, um, but I also just don't think Audi's battery technology is very good. Mm. I think I think. And I've heard this from other people who have had various e-tron products, uh, not including the GT, which is basically a Taycan. Um, the the Q4, Q5, Q7, Q8, the SUV e-trons. Um, I've heard from people who own them that they like them, but that the range is not very good. I never looked up the actual size of the battery until I started driving them. And then I, I saw 113. I was like, whoa. Guys, we got to take one quick break for bird dogs. Man, these shorts are good. They got the shorts, they got the pants, and the stretch khaki shorts. They're designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a sculpted look. Bird dog shorts work the same way as Lululemon, but they fit way better. It's better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, boxy, restricting cotton. They invented a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dog's got that anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. They sent me some Bird Dogs, and they are my new favorite gym shorts. I rock them every day at the gym when I work out. Also been using them as a swimsuit. Bird Dog shorts make a better swimsuit than my swimsuits. I really like that, actually. They're stretchy. They're soft. They're comfortable. They breathe really well when I'm at the gym. They don't show a lot of sweat stains. I am into that. And we are going to hook you up with a Yeti-style tumbler if you go to birddogs.com slash tire. That's right, birddogs.com slash tire for that free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off the whole summer. We promise. Check out birddogs.com slash tire, and we'll get you that Yeti-style tumbler with purchase. Thanks to Bird Dogs for sponsoring today's show. Back to the action. That's a huge battery for That's very big. for not a lot of range. And so I don't really think it's a particularly efficient car. Uh, quick correction. The, the battery pack on the R1S is 128.9. Okay. Okay, so that's a little bit bigger. It's bigger, but that's yeah. a fucking huge truck. Yeah. It's um, not that much bigger. Well, it's also very fast, and the range is – the EPA fuel economy is 316. Some people say 350. So what did you get with, with the Audi? 230. And that's a difference of it's 100. It's not great. Yeah. It's not great. Hmm. And like I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a range obsessive. I, I like – because once we get the infrastructure thing sorted, you know, the size of the tank won't matter as much as the efficiency of the system. Um, but I, when I did the math on range versus battery size, I was like really shocked. I wonder, wonder if that has had any influence with – um, Volkswagen's customer reluctance to buy EVs. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if what you're saying is yeah. true. Like, the, their battery tech isn't great. Yeah. And people are going, well, why would I go buy this car with this battery size if the range is shorter than this brand? Yeah. I don't know if people mm -hmm. are doing out the math. Like, my friend uh, Brad, who has a, a Q5 e-tron, maybe. Um, you know, he only reports like 220 miles. And for him, that's kind of annoying because he 
goes from San Diego to L.A. and back a lot, and that's not really enough to do it round trip. Whereas Hannah in our Ford goes to San Diego and back a lot, and it's no big deal. Like, you don't have to watch your... You can go fucking 85 the whole way and do it no problem. And it's, like, not even a question of do you have to charge on the way. And so that, like... But the total efficiency of the system is just not there. Hmm. And it's interesting because you can kind of feel it when you drive it. You're like, this is a really heavy vehicle um, that doesn't regenerate very much electricity. Um, it was nice. You know, it's Audi, it, Audi makes a nice car. It weighs 5,798 pounds, which yeah. is uh, almost the, exactly the same weight the as Ford the Lotus. The Ford is like 4,800. Uh, yeah. The, G, the, 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 the Mach-E is... Quite svelte yeah. for an EV with yeah. the range and the battery size it has. Yeah, um, yeah. I was shocked when I looked that up versus you know the other cars I was comparing to, and it's like a thousand pounds and lighter. Like, don't get me wrong, the Audi is like it is nicer than the Ford. Mm-hmm. Like it has massage seats and shit. Like it's it's nicer. But is it thirty thousand dollars nicer? You know, is it like fifty percent more expensive? Uh, especially when you consider the relative inefficiency of the system. Like I don't think so. That's always hard because if someone has the money, like it, the styling, the brand recognition, yeah. like the interior does look really. I mean, the yeah. interior of the Ford is is very nice for a Ford, it's, but it's, it's not it's, like yeah. it's, it's not there's, as nice there's as pieces that are nice Audi. looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's always a tough one. But yeah. um, the fact that it is, like you said, inefficient given the size of the battery, that's weird. Yeah, it's a huge battery, and it's like wow, you 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 guys can't you can't get two ninety three hundred out of one hundred and thirteen kilowatts. It's not particularly. Maybe region is the way. Maybe. I don't know. Um, So anyway, thank you to Audi for letting me uh, have a go in that for a week. Um, Let's see. We can talk about this interesting inflation chart that a fan sent me. Yeah, that was great. Uh, Shout out to uh, Radu. Who, uh, when we were talking on a recent show about the uh, the price of the Integra, t- uh, the Integra Type S mm-hmm. versus the old Integra Type R uh, versus what the price of the Integra would have been if it came out in 2021 versus this year and inflation, uh, Radu uh, went through and made a uh, a little chart for us just with a few different cars uh, as an example of. Uh, some cars that might be a, a great value today versus what they were a few years ago, and other cars not so much. So, for instance, um, the uh, the 2020. Uh, okay, so in 2003, the Nissan 350Z Touring was thirty four thousand one hundred eighty six dollars. Okay. With inflation, that comes out to $56,600 today. But you can buy a 2023 uh, Nissan Z Performance for only $51,000. So it actually, the current Z is about a 10% better value than if you had just taken the original Z and gone with the inflation. The base Z at only $41,000 is an enormously better value. The base, today's base today's Z, 2023 base, base Z. Base Z is, is basically uh, what uh, only 10 years of inflation would have done to the original car, except it's been 20. So 
the price of the 34 grand in 2003 is 56 grand today but Nissan only wants 41 grand for the new Z in base form that's amazing. And so the new Z is an excellent value compared to the original Z. Yeah, that's wild. Um, the GR86 Premium uh, is $31,000 today. If you took that back to 350Z in 2003, you go back to 2003 with that, that's only $18,000. That card had been eighteen grand 20 years ago with just inflation. Staggeringly good. And, and if, and if good you were value. somehow, if you were able to, you know, make a 2003 version of the uh, like GR86 or BRZ, and if yeah. it had been 18 grand, yeah, people would go. The old one used to be so cheap because that would be a lot of car for 18 grand. Yeah. That would be an amazing deal for 18 grand. Okay, how about this one? The Audi S4 in the last 30 years has halved in price. In 1993. The first S4, the five-cylinder one, right? $47,200 in 1993. That is the equivalent of $99,500 today. But Audi will sell you an S4 today for $52,800. Holy shit. Yeah. Half. That's wild. Just just over half. That's fucking crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Half as... you, You get... Half the price of an of an S four from thirty years. I think ago. this highlights you know people because people see new car prices and they go things are so expensive. Yeah, which is true because wages haven't increased with inflation. Yeah, like that's the thing. It relatively yes, cars are expensive, but based on these numbers, like they're actually priced fairly or less expensive than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about this? The nineteen ninety three Mercedes five hundred SL was ninety eight thousand nine hundred dollars. Which is the base price today of the base SL, and the 500 in 93 in to, in today's dollars is 208 thousand dollars, which is basically the price of the SL 63. Yeah, full option. Full optioned much. out. So even that was the biggest engine at the time, the 93. I think no, the 600. The 600 90, was available 93 in 93. 95. 93. I think the 600 came out in 93. The 500 was there first, but the 600 Look up this the uh, the 1993 yeah, you SL can get, You can get a 600. The 600 SL MSRP in 1993. What was the 600? Let's see how much how much more that was with the V12. Uh, original starting sticker price was 1229. 1229 in 93, yeah. dude. That shit is like 300 Gs today. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's crazy money. One twenty two nine and ninety three. That's so expensive. Like ninety three one two two nine zero. Yeah, that's huge. That's two seventy one. Wow, huge so money for the six hundred for, for entry for the base price of that engine. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Wow. And then uh, Radu's chart also shows that the BMW M3 slash M4 is basically a great benchmark for an inflation tracker, meaning the price of the uh, 2003 M3 versus the 2013 M3 versus the 2023 M4 
has tracked within $1,000 of inflation the whole time. So uh, $47,000 in 2003, $60,000 in 2013, $78,000 in 2023 has tracked perfectly di in a diagonal with the inflation. So my car's worth $78,000. So you, get, you get exactly the same for your amount for your money. I mean, obviously, the cars are performing higher. The, the newest M3 is faster. You could argue whether it's better than an E46. I would have been an E46, and E92, mm -hmm. and then the, the G series, the current one. Uh, you can argue whether you think it's better or not, but uh, you certainly get more for your money, objectively, now than you did before. Well, basically, BMW is giving you – it's just technology is evolving. They're giving you the same kind of car mm -hmm. for the same kind of price. Yeah. So um, shout out to uh, Radu. Uh, if anyone else, uh, leave a comment if you want to do the uh, 2093-03-1323 inflation tracker. If you if you think that you uh, you have a good one, leave it in the comments. You can either start with the 2023 price and work backwards, or you can start with the 9303 or 13 price and work forwards and backwards. Uh, that's a fun game. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I watched two episodes of Downey's Dream Cars, the okay. Robert Downey Jr. show mm -hmm. uh, on the elliptical. I watched it. I wanted to like it. Um, I didn't. And you did. Oh, you I did not. No, I did not like it. Um, but not for the reason you might think. Um, what is the premise? Like, the, I, I the, know zero about this show other than that it exists. The premise is uh, twofold. That one is uh, Robert Downey Jr. has decided to convert his small fleet of collector cars to be environmentally friendly. That's, that's the basic premise. Okay. Wow. And in the process of that, of converting these cars, with, with he's not turning wrenches. He brings each one to an individual shop that specializes in certain things. In fact, the first episode is um, Rich from uh, Rich Rebuilds oh, right. converting so, his truck to an EV. Is he EV swapping all of them no. or just making them no, more? No, the, okay. the idea is that he's doing a different form of alternative uh, uh, power okay. in each one. And, and throughout the process, he learns for himself and then presents... Uh, what what it is about this particular power source that is interesting, good, better, how it works? Okay, so the EV one in the, you know Rich rebuilds the he's got like an old Chevy pickup truck sort of thing, like seventies pickup truck, and they mm -hmm. EV swap it. Okay, uh, episode two, he's got his mother's like nineteen seventy one Mercedes sedan, and he's gonna and he converts it to biodiesel. Um, and it did not start out as diesel. It wasn't a diesel Benz. It was started as a gas one, and they converted to a, a diesel that runs on biodiesel. So, like, the good parts are that they they do a good job in explaining, like, pretty much, like, the, goods, the, the good things about each of – so I've only watched two episodes, but about the good things about, about – both electric power and about biodiesel power. Like, why are they good? And they break it down in fairly straightforward and simple terms. They have some, like, cool little animations and, and 
you know, and also like it's a build show. So you've got a he drives the car beforehand. Right. They they take it to the shop. They fucking pull the motor out and do all this you know shit. And then there's a reveal at the end. That's the good. And also Robert Downey Jr. is great. Like he's funny. He's charming. He's himself. And like he clearly does like cars. And and he's not a shitbag about liking cars. Like, the first two cars that they show on the, the first two episodes are, like, cars that are somewhat sentimental to him, which is good. Like, literally his mother's Mercedes. He's like, the last time I saw my mother alive, she was sitting in this seat. Um, so, like, that's the good. The bad is they never—one, the idea that by converting your classic car— to some kind of alternative power, you are somehow helping the environment is horseshit. It just is. Like, you're not doing anything for the environment. And the existence of a couple classic cars that get driven a couple hundred or a couple thousand miles a year don't make a dent. Now, Right. Well, because it already has a powertrain. So those resources have been pulled from the earth and built. Yeah. So to put a new powertrain in it, batteries and whatnot... It's, you're basically putting two engines in one car, right? right? So that's where that math works out. For right. something that's not driven very often, yeah. Right. Um, and also, like, it's just you if you make the thing run really well for what it is, you can clean it up. Like, you could add potentially catalytic converters. Like, you could find a way to clean up an old engine mm-hmm. if you, you could add electronic fuel injection. Like, yeah, that's huge. You know, you, could, you can do things to improve the efficiency of an older engine. Um, but it's sort of the – it goes – like, remember, like, Al Gore and Inconvenient Truth? The, the, the way that was presented was like, fucking, oh, my God, at the time, like, our planet's fucked. But it was the it was all it was also presented as like we all need to do our little part as opposed to the people fucking in charge need to prevent these enormous corporations that are polluting on a huge incomprehensible scale for profit right. need to do their fucking part. Like Shine Fashion just got in trouble for that. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's the show sort of presents it as like he's doing his little part where it's like you're not doing shit, man. And you're kind of like telling the rest of us that we need to like clean up our own little mess, you know, and you're sort of implying that a classic car is dirty and needs to be cleaned up when that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And so that that annoyed me. And, and, and no point in the two episodes does he ever – go into systematic problems. It's always, you know, he talks about, okay, there's the problem with burning hydrocarbons, but he's never like, you know, there, there's like lobbyists that keep this shit going, you know, and, and there's fucking cruise ships and cargo ships burning bunker oil. Private and jets. Like, private jets, all, like, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But it's sort of this sort of feel-goody thing about his little classic cars. And by the way, if you want to convert your fucking classic car to EV or biodiesel, like, have at it. And, like, I don't blame him for making a show where he gets to play with his own fucking cars on someone else's on HBO's dime. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do your thing, bro. But it ignores, like, what the real problem is with all of this. And then uh, the truck came out okay. 
the one with the Mercedes. Google Google Robert Downey Jr. biodiesel Mercedes. And let's just see if we can get a picture of the finished product. The finished car. And granted, this is uh, this is there's a there's a taste thing, and there's people who might look at a car that I have or multiple cars that I have and go, well, that's that's ugly. But the the finished product of this Mercedes is there it is, absolutely heinous. Doesn't that green car look like it's uh like when they when they rolled out and revealed this car? I was like, oh, they're just rolling up in their like shop beater, like, like they're like they paint the car like matte olive green, with a sort of like brassy copper tone on the grills and bumpers. Yeah, but it's a matte. It's like a matte gold on the on the grills and stuff. It's very flat. They paint over like mm. all the tr- the chrome trim. Um, you can't see it in this photo, but they put wheels from the wrong period on the car they put like 80s mercedes wheels that really look very wrong on this and there's something wrong with the fucking suspension in the car and when they drive it up the ass end is like sagging like on the ground like it just looks like unfinished shit huh and you know robert rdj like says that, that see the truck there's the, the electric truck that uh, rich rebuilds did it's a 72 uh, chevy k10 you know say what you will about the slightly broy wheels but overall it looks all right yeah you know what? it's fun it's not like my favorite build but i did i wouldn't look at it and go ew but i when they pulled up at the end of the mercedes i was like you got to be fucking kidding me it just looked there's got there's got to be a better picture because yeah i'll try to find it one. just looked terrible and uh, there it is. That's the side picture. Those wheels, like, like those wheels are so bad on that car. They're like they're like a shitty knockoff version of monoblocks mm-hmm. that would have gone on cars from a car from the nineties. Oh no! God, there's so many so many pop ups. Every website. Um, and like the colors really weird. And you, I, I can tell from looking at this photograph, but they have done something to sort of prop up. Like they might have parked it on kind of a downhill. It looks like it might be parked on a downhill to level the body in the photo because it's it sags in the rear like crazy. Did, it, I mean, did he like it? Was he into it? I mean, he said he liked it for TV. Yeah, that's true. And oh, by the way, know, might. they could have taken a motor out of like one of the cheating diesel Jettas. They could have done like a four cil- a modern four-cylinder that – Relatively, with like a like a uh, a, ex- a diesel exhaust uh, particulate filter, like or like a urea injection to make it like really really clean, but they took a V8 out of like a 1991 Chevy truck, and so it was like an old, fairly crappy like clattery diesel, and and they said in the shop they they played it off like this engine's already here, we don't need to buy a new engine. You know, we can give this one another life. But, like, a Mercedes was a pretty smooth car. And you hear it in the car. It's like a clattery kind of, like, shitty truck <laughs> engine. Yeah. Uh, I saw a two-door, like, 1999 two-door Tahoe diesel in Norway that sounded like that. Yeah. So I was like, did they make this? I guess not in Europe. In, in Europe, um, they might have, yeah. 
Well, I think to move a new engine in there, you'd have to bring the ECU, and I wonder how complicated it would be with traction, all that shit. But like, I, mean, I, but I hear what you're saying. They could have. There's a lot of engines they could have chosen from that might have kept the smooth inline six Mercedes NIST. Dude, the, the engine choice mm. was like the least of my problems with this thing. I mean, if you, it just, it just doesn't look very good. You get, and, and, no. and it reminds me, it's very green. It's like because it's green and it's like it's a green car it and it's also me of a the green Cheech car, man. Weed truck. It does look like that. Yeah, it's a flat green. <laughs> it looks like the, it looks like a truck. That's there's something made about weed. it that also stands out. It, looks kind of like a like the Beatles had all their cars painted back in the 60s. Sure. It's got a little bit of that vibe to it. Like, yeah. let's kind of clean the air, man. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If, if he's into it, sure. It's not my cup of tea, but... Well, like, I mean, uh, he, I'm sure he he did choose the color scheme. They made it look like it was a surprise for TV, the color. And if they surprised me with that color, I'd be fucking It's furious. like army green. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it's, it's army green, but with, like, weird gold accents. Yeah. Hmm. Um... But mainly I was just, like, annoyed at the premise of, like, we need to clean up our own. Like, bro, your car collection is not fucking hurting the environment. Like, if you really want to help with your own fucking house, like, stop flying private. Like, that's, like, that's a bigger, a much bigger difference. That's true. And maybe I'll try and watch another episode. I'm not sure. I, I thought, I didn't think he as a host did a bad job and there are certainly a few things about the show that that were redeeming but overwhelmingly i was just like oh god this is fucking it's another example where it's not addressing the larger the actual problem yeah, yeah. that 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 would be more of an adam ruins everything show i yeah. think and that they i don't know who knows what the executives behind this wanted to do or not do but it's no I, this, I the executives you. behind this were like robert downey junior likes cars celebrity Cars, mm-hmm. build show, Ooh, baby, huh. fucking gold. He's got a pagoda. Yeah, this is his car collection. Um, um, I mean, mm-hmm. and and I suppose there's something to be said for uh, marketing dollars uh, attempting to present alternative propulsion vehicles as cool. This Hollywood celebrity is converting his shit to whatever because it's cool, you know. Um, all right. But it's that's not what we need. We need like major systematic change. Yeah, I think stuff like this, you know, the glass half full is will it get young people interested in alternative forms of propulsion? Even if they like the classic car, they go, oh, but it also can use this engine and it's still still fun. My parents neighbor has an old VW bus. He's like, what do you think about me converting this to EV? And I was like, well, the engines in these suck. Yeah. So it's Subaru or EV. And, and I, I said, are you going to drive it long distance or anything? He's like, no, it's cruising around town. I was like, it makes sense for this. Sure. You'll never get the money back from it. But it makes sense for this because the based on driving a Volkswagen bus, it yeah. is a bad thing to drive. Sure. So for, for that. But obviously it's like this won't save the entire planet. No. But maybe it'll make people think that, okay, well, you can have a classic car in the future and put an EV motor in it if gas is illegal or something and it's just still still a cool thing to do any classic car where the engine is not integral to the driving experience go ahead convert that shit to ev motors in a vw bus suck balls they're terrible you are improving the vehicle by making it an ev mm-hmm. wagoneers old cadillacs you know cruisers like go for it dude but like Please don't pull the motor out of a 911 and make it an EV and say you've improved it. You've you have not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Can we 
We can talk about the S63. Do you yeah. want to talk about that? Holy fucking fast. Speaking of alternative propulsion. That is wild. 1,000 uh, pound feet, 1055. 1055 pound feet of torque, 791 horsepower. It, what so, does it weigh? Uh, it weighs 5,700 pounds. Ooh, that's, it's that's a porker. 55, 50, it's 1,000 pounds more than an S580. S580 has a 4-liter twin-turbo engine in it, which uh-huh. this has too. So with the all-wheel drive system and the electric system, it adds 1,000 pounds. That's a lot. It's extremely heavy. And I wish Does I— Does it have I, electric-only range? Like yeah, you, okay. small, like 33 kilometers. Oh, so London. <clears throat> it's London tax. It's London tax, It's London yeah. tax, yeah, um, okay. Yeah, it's—you could use that when you want to if you're here, but, I mean, ultimately, it's a, a hybrid system. Um, Two-speed— Two-speed gearbox uh, for, the electric, for the electric system mounted to the differential. So the diff is crazy complicated because you have the battery kind of right under the trunk. Then there is the two-speed transmission. Then there's an e-diff. And all of that works together. And when you, like, launch the thing or accelerate hard from medium speeds, you can feel it managing traction. Like, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of wiggle. It's, it's imperfect. But... It's managing a thousand pound feet of torque. It's pretty wild that like that much and is going on back there. It's stupid fast. It's so fast. I was like, it doesn't launch harder than a 911 turbo or anything that weighs less. It doesn't launch harder than you know any high power EV, of course. But it's like the 30 to 100. Yeah, it does <clears throat> is amazing. I don't I don't know what the speed the measurements are in quarter mile time, but it is wild. And like the rear shot on in the video. It looks like you're watching like a you know SpaceX rocket type of thing. Like I just this the road is disappearing so quickly. Mm-hmm. It pulls so hard, and the transmission shifts really hard when you're in full acceleration mode. But when you're downshifting for corners or even upshifting, it's kind of lazy, which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. It's a nine-speed auto. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a little bit eh, and it I think it looks great. Somehow they made. The pro, like the profile of this car feels like it hasn't had to adhere to pedestrian crash standards. Of course it has. But so many cars today have like this bubble where I think because this is so long, the front end just looks like lower and slimmer than other cars, huh. which is nice. Interior is really nice. Um, it's very fast. But I mean, it was probably like it was like $180,000 or something. Like uh, yeah, I did not have a Maroni in the car, oh. unfortunately, but it starts at like 179 or something around there. It's, it's fucking it's very. And this one, mine had the larger wheels, which are too big, 23s. Um, yeah, you don't need 23. And it had 23s carbon on a sedan. Interior. You don't yeah. need 23s. Well, the, the disappointing thing about this car, because I think aesthetically, great. Comfort, great. Um, speed is obviously there. There were some dynamic problems. The rear steer is too noticeable. Um, it's only like all two and a half degrees. Yeah. All Mercedes, the rear steer is too noticeable. It, it felt yeah. slippery. Um, and transmission, as I said, is kind of is just okay. Uh, steering ratio, all that stuff was very good. The ride's just too stiff. Like well, for an S class, that's an a S big class, problem. I mean, I was really surprised driving driving around Santa Monica, which is a you know, for LA has bad roads. The roads are pretty good in Santa Monica, but the transitions, you know, hard you edges, across in, hard edges, hurt and felt in comfort mode. Like you, do you hear like a chunk? Really? I mean, they That's stiffen the good. unibody more than the regular S class, and it has you know sports suspension and shit. But I was really shocked yeah, that it didn't have great. that range because like when we drove the RS, it felt like the RS five competition. 
Hmm. that we just drove. Like it felt that stiff. And that is trying to be a two-door kind of sports GT. And this is an S-Class. So I think this is an example, kind of like the M5CS, where we go, okay, the the most prestigious sedan in the lineup is now, you know, we need to make a performance version. Yeah. But if the dial has to go too far to performance to keep up with its competitors, you lose some of that, you know, luxurious comfort right. that it became known for. Because they had an original, you know, 6.3 um, SL there, like in the parking garage that we could look at. And I was just looking at that thing going, yes, it had a big engine, but it was probably a very comfortable car first. It's comfortable luxury that can go fast. And this, it's like it's trying to be an even larger M5 CS, but you lose a lot of the comfort that I would want in an S-Class. Yeah. I was really disappointed in the comfort ride uh, setting. That's disappointing. Yeah. yeah. But, but man, still, thousand pound feet in an S class. Yeah, it's wild. Right? I don't know. Okay, um, so the video's up. It's uh, it's actually doing pretty well. I'm, I I nice. I was uh, surprised at uh, how many people were interested in watching that one. It's sort of outside of our target demo. Yeah, but uh, but it's doing all right. Um, okay, well uh, I have a couple other things written down, but we can save them for next week's show they are not urgent okay uh we can go to some questions from the patreon uh we'll do about i don't know 25 or 30 minutes zach has had a very long day so we don't have to don't have to keep him awake for too much um let's uh let's see of course if you want to talk to us via the patreon oh and uh one thing about the patreon I have discussed you know my uh my notice watch collab the smoke mm-hmm. tire do you see the mint green this yeah, is I saw green. pictures. Yeah, that's nice. So uh, this is going to be the one that we sell. That's what you're going with. Okay. Um, uh, the mint green. I talked about it a lot on the Patreon show. I've got it up on social media. I designed a watch. I don't need to do. Uh, I'll talk about it more on the next show. Um, mint green dial and uh, and the other dial I had. That's going to be next spring for summer release. So the other, the other color. Yeah, we're going nice. to do one and then the other hundred pieces of each. Nice. Um, but. Um, Patreon um, pro drivers and champions will get first allocations. So um, if you if you a couple people asked about that, I got like two three emails like, hey, because only making a hundred, they're going to sell out fast. Mm-hmm. Um, championship and pro drivers will get first allocations for the you, watch. They'll get the link early or something. Yeah, yeah, they'll be able to buy it before anybody else. Okay. Um, and of course, everything else, ad-free experience, uh, get the show early, get the live sh- uh, podcast, and ask us questions all through patreon.com slash the smoking tire podcast. All right, let's see. David says, uh, Aston Martin has gone through seven bankruptcies. Do you think their collaborations with Mercedes, Geely, and Lucid will keep them from going under an eighth time? Or Aston's financial troubles as inevitable as death and taxes. Um, I think the SUV might keep them from going under. Honestly, yeah. that's Sell- selling well. Yeah, um, and you know it's weird. I I don't know a lot about the finances of these car companies and why they can't make money or why they can. I mean, I assume high. Uh, 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 high cost, low volume, low margin business, but um, you know they're they're getting their engines from from Mercedes. They're they're getting their electronics from other other people now, and I think I think they have a they have a decent uh, decent shot at it. Well, for for context, uh, in twenty 
17, Aston Martin sold 5,000 cars, 5,100 cars. And then the next year they sold 6,400. So like that, that to me is fairly low for a name that is so famous. Mm -hmm. And like Lotus, before the SUV starts rolling out, like they sold 1,700 cars, I think two years ago. Yeah. That is tiny and unsustainable. Yeah. So I think that's, like you said, we don't know the finances, but when the numbers are that small and the brand is that big and the cost to develop and build a you know yeah. four different cars like that's that's a lot of overhead so you have sure. to sell these SUVs sure um, <clears throat> okay Meh says uh, two questions watch question if you're going to spend fifty k on one or two watches to keep in the family I realize it's personal for so looking for your opinion. 50k and you don't know what you want that's a lot of money to spend without having a dream um i mean 50k i i would be looking at a, a daytona of some kind maybe or a uh, a royal oak royal oaks are are great um i really like them i miss i, I had a royal oak briefly and i miss it um I would probably not buy something that's uh, uh, like that's for 50k that you have to pay over sticker for now because it's just not certain investment grade level, um, and I wouldn't necessarily buy something that is like a slight variation. Like I wouldn't buy like a meters first. Like they made some Rolex Submariners for like two years where the it, it said meters and feet and the meters were first and that's like a thing. Like something you need to look at fucking here to know what you're buying, you, I would skip that. So like I would buy something where the whole model range is that known value, not just a sub-variant of a sub-variant that only nerds want, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but one watch 50K a Royal Oak or or a Daytona of some kind is probably where I want. Also, trying to choose a Bronco spec. I don't care about long highway trips. My commute is short, and I don't really off-road, but it would be cool to get into just something cool and fun. The one we had was the Outer Banks, yeah. which I think is fine. Yeah, and I think that's – is that the one level above base in terms yeah. of uh, – Yeah, so it looks off-roady. If you're not off-roading, you want something that looks a little off-roady because it'd be easier to sell in the future, mm-hmm. and you'll get to have a cool-looking car that will be noisy on the highway. I would say Outer Banks or Badlands are the two. The Badlands is a little has the 35s on it, I think. I think the Outer have, Banks has like regular size wheels, but it has like some of the off-roady stuff and a little nicer interior. I yeah, think. and then the Badlands has like bigger wheels. Yeah, I'd probably go Badlands because um, the bigger wheels do look cool. Oscar Negron says, already seeing reports of 20 to 40K markups on the Integra Type S. What do you think really needs to happen for dealers to stop doing this? Should manufacturers get involved? Should legislation be passed to prevent this? Um, Didn't we talk about, we this, talked last about this last through show? Yeah, I mean, uh, nothing can be done. As long as we have our system of franchise dealers, like, there's literally nothing that can be done. Yeah. The manufacturers, not only do they, like, not want to stop the dealers from doing this, like, it's good for the manufacturer. If their high-end product is is in demand and their dealers are making money off it, like, that's, like, good for them. It, it, it means their product is desirable. Um, legislation won't be passed to prevent this because there is no consumer protection 
lobby that is as powerful as the NADA. Mm-hmm. Go read that article about the NADA that's from Slate. But they um, went undercover at yeah, the Yeah, I don't even think they went undercover. I think they just went and oh. asked people. Um, uh, I, and I, I find it, he said, I find it hard to believe that many people would be willing to pay such ridiculous money. Doesn't need to be many people. One per car. A thousand people could go, fuck this, this is bullshit. And then one guy goes, yeah, you know what, fuck it. Mm-hmm. That's a True. successful ADM application. Also, these stories get a lot of press when someone sees the dealership sticker asking price. We never know if that car sells for that money. Yeah. So it could also sit there for six months while they ask $78,000. Yeah. And then they go, ooh, we fucked up. So. Or they this thing says 20K ADM and someone goes, you know what? I'll give you six. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay. And they sell it. Right. And and that part doesn't get published. Yep. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, I would definitely response. recommend reading the Slate piece about the NADA conference. It's crazy. Uh, Lucas says, uh, what car would you rather daily, Lexus GSF, E92 M3 sedan, or Alpha Quadrifolio? GSF. Yeah. All day. All day. Um, Okay. Uh, Greg says, uh, I recently maxed out my 2021 Subaru STI. Uh, in the middle of the desert. I was surprised to get a little more than the 155 electronic speed limiter seeing 160 when I let off after feeling that wall. So my question is, how do these systems work? Was the extra five miles an hour more of a fluke due to environment or is the there's something else? Car is completely stock. Um, it was a safe, high visible. Uh, I think the sensor is not connected to your speedo i think your speedo is optimistic Mm. i think there's a wheel speed sensor that probably shows a more accurate speed he might have actually been going 155 yeah they indicated 160 so when he felt the wall that may have actually been the limiter yeah uh because we've driven what did we drive recently where i had ways up and we checked yeah i think it was a c6 maybe and the speedo was yeah yeah, it was three miles an hour generous our giveaway corvette uh which is going to the shop for its upgrades next week uh when we drove back from the from the shoot with it yeah the speedometer was actually the the analog speedometer in the cluster disagreed with the heads-up display in on the windshield Mm -hmm. and the heads-up display agreed with ways yeah so the mechanical uh speedometer gauge was a little optimistic. So I would say, Greg, next time you're on the highway, just go just go the 70 miles per hour, but look at Waze and see if your Speedo matches yeah. what it indicates using GPS. Yeah. Uh, Alejandro, uh, oh, we just talked about that, standardized mm-hmm. chargers. Um, okay. Uh, 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 Jake Shores says, if you could pick one automotive manufacturer and one non-automotive manufacturer of any field to get a look behind the curtain, who would you choose? Hmm. Automotive manufacturer and non-automotive manufacturer to look behind the curtain. That's an interesting question. Automotive, I think I'd like to uh, check out Rimats in Croatia. Uh, I mean, I've already been to, like, Koenigsegg. Yeah, I was going to say that, but there's so much content about Koenigsegg that I yeah. feel like I know. Um, Ramats, I think, would be very, very cool. Non-automotive? 
I, w- I would go to like the Tycon factory and I'd mm-hmm. want to talk to their engineers. And I know they get a lot of their electric shit from Ramats, maybe all of it, but seeing how they do what they do. Um, non-automotive. I'd like to... Lockheed Martin. <laughs> go to the top yeah. secret stuff. Yeah. I'd like to see where they make like... I actually think it would be interesting to go to like a handgun factory. Because I've been to I've been to places where they make really high end shotguns by hand, and they're just like little workshops. Um, I'd like oh I mean watch watch manufacturers are very very interesting. I'd love to go check out AP or Patek. Um, I went to the Ulysse Nardin factory. I've been to um, some other watch factories, and watch factories are really really interesting. I'd love to go. Check I would want to go to like a Boeing Skunk Works area and see the stuff they do with material science and what they're not allowed to talk about and what they do with the planes, that would be really cool. Uh, Scooter says, Fiesta ST just got totaled from a hailstorm. Bummer. Uh, insurance will give me 12K for it. It's a third car, stock 35,000 miles. That's low for a Fiesta ST. And I had the synchros and the clutch done last year. $4,000 service. It's fun to drive. I hate to see it go, but I'd be taking a hit on it financially, and I don't uh, like how it looks. What would you do? Keep it and not care how it looks. Take the cash and reinvest in your next car. Uh, is there a market for someone looking for a track car in good mechanical shape but physically unappealing? Uh, that's an interesting conundrum. I'm Project not, car. I would not want to drive around a hail, a car that looks like a golf ball. Like yeah. That would bother me all the time, Yeah, and you'd probably get over it really quickly. Yeah. It's probably a good candidate for a race car. I would I would say yeah maybe maybe you could sell it on like racing junk or something for someone who wants to build a, a track car you could build a yeah. rally car out of it could, can you can you can he take it? the twelve grand and then also buy the car back from like I think the so. yard or something for less than twelve you could Does that work I think you can do that I think you can take the payout and then buy back the car with a salvage title I mean if you could get it back from them for like I don't know five grand most. Mm. And then you either can build a race car, rally car, or sell it to somebody who wants to build a race car, rally car. Otherwise, it'll probably get crushed. Yeah. I mean, maybe can you – and maybe you could find one with a blown motor and pull the powertrain out of this one and put Ooh, it in another one. That's a good idea. If you're handy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the easiest thing is just take the money and buy a different car. Yeah. Because your car got – those hailstorms can be very big. That sucks. Yeah. yeah. That's rough. That's a bummer. That's too bad. Those are – it's sad to see one of those gone. But, like, if you want a race car, that would be a good place to start. Yeah, this is the time. This would be a good – a great place to start, yeah. Um. Uh, I don't – I don't – man, I don't know um, – Joe's question wants a list of cars over 6,000 pounds that get over 30 miles per gallon because he wants to, because he's becoming a realtor and wants something tax deductible but not a gas guzzler. Uh, I don't know, probably an SUV that's a plug-in hybrid. I bet they weigh a lot. And by the way, those, those, oh, the over 30 miles per gallon that you've listed, the Touareg TDI, the Cayenne diesel, the Q7 diesel. My mom had a Q7 diesel and it was a great car, but it, it took a lot for that thing to get over 30 miles per gallon. Be, it was, that it was, was highway. That it was, was really like mid-20s most of the time, which is like pretty good for a car of its size, but not amazing. Um, Depends on where you live. If you're doing highway driving, then diesels might be your option. But if you're doing in-town showings of houses, 
Like you want something electric, right? Or yeah. plug-in hybrid. I mean, the elect- an EV will be heavy as fuck yeah. and be very efficient. Yeah, you could probably write off an EV. A lot of EVs are over 6,000 pounds gross vehicle weight. It's a commercial, so. commercial truck R1S. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Uh, such a, I can't. There's too many words to that one. Uh, Richard says, uh, terrible news. My doctor said I should not daily drive a manual if I want to retain the use of my wrist going forward. Arthritis sucks, as does DC traffic. That is a bummer. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, everything affordable with an auto is basically saddled with a soul-crushing CVT. At a $35,000-ish limit is an Elantra N, basically all I have left for a fun, reasonably performance automatic daily that I can occasionally autocross and hit a back road. No. Kona N. Yeah, also. Kona N, GTI, uh, uh, Audi GR86. A, Audi A3. Audi A3. Audi A3. GTI the, for sure. And the, 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 the 86 is a great auto. Yeah. That's a paddle shifted. Yeah. It's a really good automatic and a yeah. very fun car. Yeah. Uh, Volkswagen. Uh, the Volkswagen Jetta GLI, which I don't love that gearbox, but it is the DCT. Handles pretty well it's a decent it's, it's car a, i'd rather the gti for sure yeah if you if you can get into a gti for uh-huh. 35 that's a great that's the nicest looking car and if you want to have something that's more fun that doesn't look nice you can get an elantra n or a kona n if or you need kona more ground n. clearance yeah yeah but there, there's some options yeah there are a few uh Hurriday says after an unfortunate accident i need to replace my 992 carrera 4s and I thought this was a great opportunity to learn stick. Is there a car you recommend for this task? Weather isn't a concern. The vehicle is for commuting. Uh, buying an expensive car isn't a bright idea for someone learning a manual, but I would still like something more comfortable than a Civic Type R. Uh, BRZ, again, BRZ, yeah. uh, can you still get a GTI with a manual? Ooh. You, you, I mean, you can get a used one. Can you get a list of all the cars available with a manual transmission right now? I bet you that one exists. Can you get a BMW 230i with a manual? Because that Didn't would be. Did we drive one? Was that stick? I thought that was a stick. I think it may have not been stick, but I think it was available in a stick. Oh, here we go. If you can get a BMW 230i with a manual, okay. How old is this article? Car and driver. This is this only is from a few months old. January. Okay, so you got the Integra, uh, which would be great. The M2, uh, the M3, those are probably not ideal. CT4 Blackwing, that would be very comfortable as a daily with a manual. Yeah, and that's a car you can grow so, with. Yeah, so far, Blackwing leads. CT5 Blackwing, that's a lot of car. That's expensive. Camaro, no. Challenger, no. Mustang, maybe. Uh, maybe a Mustang. Um, I mean, how fast do they want it to be? Because like, you could get a Civic Si. This dude's coming out of a 992 Porsche. Oh, never mind. So okay. I yeah. don't think a Civic Si would do it. Well, because he mentioned CTR. Yeah. Um, uh, Kia Forte, no. Mazda 3, Mazda MX-5, Mini. Mini, uh, Minis, uh, yeah. Nissan Z, that would be okay. Caymans. Oh, yeah, what are get we a doing? a fucking Cayman. You got to have a C4S. Yeah, get a Cayman. 
If you yeah. can afford a Cayman S or GTS with a stick, ooh, that would be delightful. Yeah, do that because you're coming out of a C4. It's yeah. coming out of a brand new Porsche. Yeah. If you're coming out of, I would say get a Cayman. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at. I mean, that's the only thing on here that he. But might there are a lot of options that, that would options. be uh, more comfortable. Uh, this there. is Car and Driver has a great list of every yeah. car you can get with a manual. Yeah. So go check it out. Okay, one or two more, and then we would. Uh, let's see. Miguel, Miguel says, uh, "What are the two best weekend cars that are opposites of each other?" The 1M and Cayman are solid choices there. One has too much engine, the other has too much chassis. What are some other fun opposites? Well, opposites. Well, I mean, you could have a fucking similar. GT4 and a Bronco. That's there's opposites. Yeah, something goes off road and on road. That's yeah. th that's very opposite. Two different environments. I mean, yeah. You get a fucking Raptor and a Miata. And those are very opposite. Yeah. One, you could put the Miata in the back of the Raptor almost. Yeah. Uh, a bent a, a, a Bentley and an Ariel Atom. Oh my God, that'd be a good time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that, that that list could go on forever. Yeah, just depends on where you want to drive them and how much money you have. Yeah, uh, Miguel Flores. Well, oh no, Christian says, can we get Andrew Santino on the podcast? Uh, I will. I will ask uh, Segura if he will set that up. Jake Kennedy, uh, can you explain to me what it is about Porsche that people love? Is it the interior of the car, the shape of the car, the fact that they still make manuals, the race car history? All of those. All of those. Mm -hmm. uh, the price point for the Porsche GT3 is up there with Ferrari 458 and 488 True. and Huracan. Matt, why did you choose Porsche and do you daily drive it? And I don't daily drive it, no. Uh well, there's a lot to this question. Uh, 911s feel like you can't kill them. Like, they feel unbreakable. It's, then it's not true. They are, you can break one, but it's pretty hard. Do you think that some of that is the engine being behind you and you're kind of leaving sound behind you? Like, Oh, for uh, sure. There's a, there is something very special about the fact that most because the exhaust doesn't run underneath the car. Yeah. So much less bad noise gets into the car. Every time I drive them, I I feel I because I feel that same sensation. Like yeah. this is so reliable. They also have that reputation. But I think a lot of it is you are removed from the violence. Yeah. And it makes you just think like it's so uh, it's so fine tuned. It well, can't be. Can't and be also flat the fragile. flat engines of relatively small displacement transmit very little vibration into the cabin, mm -hmm. and so. If you go out in an LS-powered Corvette, you can't just, like, drive around at 5,000 RPM. It'll it'll feel like the engine is going to tear itself apart. Now, it, it won't. Those are durable engines. But the vibration, the sound, the gases passing underneath you, you know, it, it will feel like the car is under is tense. It's under load, whereas the Porsches don't feel like that. Also, uh, straight... Straight six engines and flat six engines don't need balance shafts. Yeah, whereas perfectly, the engines perfectly do. balanced. So like that, it, that's how little vibrations happening. Yeah, and so also like when we were driving the C6 Corvette, the transmission tunnel got like super hot. Like that doesn't happen in Porsches. The the quality of how well they're screwed together is exceptional, mm -hmm. even compared to Ferrari. Yeah. Um, 
Lamborghini, you know, Audi engineered Lamborghinis are put together very well too, but they're not ergonomically anywhere near as comfortable as Porsches. Lamborghinis, you have to, they're still small. The ergonomics are weird. Um, they're built really well. They're, a Huracan is a very durable car, but it's not, you know, a Porsche offers a balance of the performance, the refinement, the prestige, the history, the good looks, and they have, they're the only people with this unique engine configuration that gives the car a certain set of driving characteristics that no other car has. True. Um, the number of mid-engine V8 or V uh, supercars out there is quite high. Like yeah. McLaren, Ferrari, Lamborghini, they all do, they do feel different, but they are- Lamborghini's V10, similar. we know this. I know, that's why I said, yeah. that's why I switched from V8 uh, to V. Uh, uh, but- they're just they're a little bit closer, whereas the Porsche is totally unique. Yeah, and and the price point for the GT3 RS is up there with with Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Yeah. But like, you don't need to get a GT3 RS to appreciate Porsche. Like a Boxster or Cayman S is in many ways as fun or more fun than a GT3 RS. Mm -hmm. um, and I. I I didn't just choose Porsche. If you're talking about me, like I, I have a Ferrari, I have a Lamborghini, I have like other cars, and I've had other cars. But to me, what is the best sports car on sale today? Boxster Spider. And then what can I do to make that car even a little better? You know, crazy demand motor, etc. But like, that's why I chose it. So, uh, okay. We let's uh, save let's, these. Let's say we got a lot more on the list, but we'll save them for the next show. We don't need to burn Zach into the ground. Then he's still got to get this podcast up today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your questions, of course, uh, through patreon.com slash the smoke tire podcast. And uh, we will have videos on the trips we just took um, in the next two weeks for you. And uh, we'll have more podcasts for you next week. And I hope you guys have a great 4th of July weekend. Bye.